This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Your radio doctor does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, physicians, products, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on your radio doctor. Always consult your own physician. Today's program has been pre-recorded. When Recovery Centers of America at Devon opened its campuses on the main line and in South Jersey, they offered a new approach, local addiction treatment led by an expert, caring team of professionals. RCA has since helped thousands and leads the way in innovative programs and exceptional inpatient and outpatient care, all in a beautiful setting that allows for healing and recovery. RCA answers the phone and admits patients 24-7, 365, including the holidays. All admitted patients and staff are routinely tested for COVID-19. Call now at 1-888-RECOVERY. That's 1-888-RECOVERY. Talk Radio 1210. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. It's time for the Delaware Valley's first radio doctor. On call every Sunday morning at 10. This is your radio doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. Listen, seven months or 10 months is an absolutely exceptional, exceptionally short time frame to produce this vaccine. Your health determines your life, your longevity, and your happiness. Let your radio doctor lead the way with your medical education. Your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Good morning, and welcome to your radio doctor. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. I'm your host, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Today, our discussion is about sports medicine, a very timely topic as children and teens come back to school and play fall sports. Sports medicine is a branch of medicine that deals with physical fitness and the treatment and prevention of injuries related to sports and exercise. So not just professional athletes, but children, teens involved in sports and adults who exercise for personal fitness. Plus, they treat people that have physically demanding jobs like construction workers. We will also discuss the value of the pre-participation physical evaluation or that preseason physical that athletes in lower school, high school, and college have before the fall begins. Joining us today is Dr. Christine Marshallock from Thomas Jefferson University Hospital. She is a clinical assistant professor of family medicine and sports medicine, the program director of the Primary Care Sports Medicine Fellowship as well as the Assistant Program Director for the Family Medicine Residency. She is one very busy lady. Welcome, Christine. Thank you for taking time to be with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Marianne. It's great to be here. So the CDC recommends that school-age children have at least 60 minutes of play per day of moderate to vigorous physical activity because it helps establish good health habits at an early stage, long-term, reduced diseases in adulthood, Let's talk about the short-term benefits or why it's good for children right now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, childhood, as we all know, is such an important time for development or developing healthy habits that can last a lifetime. Um, But even just during childhood, kids get a lot of benefit from physical activities. A, it helps blow off steam. Um, You know, there has been links to uh, rates of physical exercise and mental health promotion and lower rates of depression in children. Um, It just helps them learn basic movement skills, right? Like how to move around, how to jump around. It helps build those muscles so they can continue being active. Um, Even within childhood, as their bones and muscles are developing, it helps promote that strong bone growth and strong muscle growth. 
improves cognition. Kids perform better at school when they're physically active during the school day or outside of school. And overall, even in adolescence, we see that it can lead to lower rates of metabolic syndrome, things like obesity, um, uh, impaired, um, impaired fasting glucose or prediabetes comes some sugar resistance. Um, it really can help promote a, a healthy metabolism for children as well. Mm -hmm. And I guess we can extrapolate to sports per se, because as you say, just running around, why else would we have built recess into everybody's school day halfway through the morning? Just a little break, turn the machine off, let your brain rest and chit chat with your buddies or play jump rope in the schoolyard. So sports per se, I mean, that's even another level because you learn sportsmanship and working as a team, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, one of the reasons that I love sports medicine and I went into it is really to promote participation in sports and in athletics. And, and that's for, it's, it's fun for people, right? Like how it's so much more pleasant to go out and play a game of pickup basketball than it is to go make myself run three miles. And I think it helps develop that for children too. They get to spend time with their friends and their teammates. Um, they, they develop the ability to work as a team I can't tell you how many times I've looked at applications even for our residency program where I see people who are college athletes and like, I think, oh, they know how to work as a teammate. Um, and you know, endorphins are really positive things too. Endorphins make you happy. And so getting out there playing sports um, really is fantastic. I think also getting kids involved with teams um, helps promote great work at work ethics that translate into different parts of their life as well. You know, it helps you learn discipline. You got to show up for practice. You got to do your job. Um, it helps with leadership skills. You know, when, when is it your job to lead the team? When is it time to take more of a supporting role? Um, and really just, you know, helps build that team camaraderie that they're going to, to bring into different parts of their life forever. Mm -hmm. And being a team member also uh, includes knowing when you should shoot or when you should share and pass it to the other player. Exactly. And, and yeah. all of those things are just reinforced. And I guess, too, with good coaches, uh, young athletes learn more about preventing injury and playing uh, safely. You're going to tuck your head down when you're tackling and um, education about other topics like proper nutrition, how to hydrate. I just read a story about uh, a teenage athlete who drank two gallons of water during practice and two gallons of Gatorade after, and he died he, over hydration. We know that, and and uh, and they learn about substance abuse. And you know, if you're going to play on the team, and I find out you're drinking over the weekend, you're not going to play in the next game. That sort of thing, dedication, discipline, all those good lessons, as you say. Absolutely. So you're a family medicine physician, and primary care sports medicine practice is different than somebody who's an orthopedic sports medicine physician. Tell us about that difference. Yeah, definitely. So I trained in family medicine in my residency, and then I went on to do a primary care sports medicine fellowship. Um, and, and, you know, there is a fair amount of overlap between sports medicine physicians and the non-surgical aspects of orthopedics. So we, you know, we both evaluate, diagnose, and treat a wide variety of musculoskeletal conditions. Um, in primary care sports medicine, we don't we don't do surgery. Um, we focus on, as you mentioned earlier, prevention of, of injuries, encouragement of safe participation in sports. We manage um, things that don't need surgery. Um, but in addition to all the musculoskeletal care that we provide, we also take care of other medical aspects of being an athlete, of being physically active. So things like 
exercise-induced asthma, concussion, nutrition, um, you know, even providing training recommendations or exercise prescriptions to folks who are dealing with chronic disease in adulthood. Um, as a team physician, we've helped with our athletes' mental health conditions, you know, just to name a few things. It's really holistic care for athletes and for physically active people. Mm-hmm. And would you say that um, you see more uh, lower school children, high school children? What does your practice include? So my practice, you know, we see folks of all ages, but the majority of it are actually adult um, athletes or adult kind of weekend warriors, as we call them. And I, I, was just gonna I say. fall into that group myself these days, too. Um, but a lot of times we see adolescents, we see children, and as you mentioned, for their pre-participation physical, and that's a lot of the time that we see them. Um, that's in our office. We also, a lot of our docs provide um, coverage, athletic coverage for high school. So we can go out and do training rooms, spend time in the training room with athletic, athletic trainer when they need us and provide sideline coverage for games as well. So we'll see a lot of the athletes out there actually at their schools and on the fields where they're playing. Would you say that most of the people who go into sports medicine were at least high school athletes, if not college athletes as well? A fair number of them, yes, yeah. Um, I was a high school athlete. I didn't participate in college. Um, and I, as I mentioned, I label myself in the weekend warrior thing, but a lot of, a lot of people have participated in, in college athletics and beyond. And it's, you know, it's really what we love, what we find the benefit in and the joy in and want to help uh, promote that for others as well. Oh, sure. And it's so healthy, as you say, for school children to have your best buddy in math class. But when you're playing soccer or field hockey, you have those friends and it's really healthy to be able to bounce ideas off or, or share fun times with different groups of people. I think that makes for a richer school experience and uh, a healthier outlook because if you know you don't have a good day on the field, but you you know get to talk about it with your other buddies, it just gives you a different perspective, all of which is great. I think it kind of ties in with the one of my uh, college friends' dads quoted himself at her wedding and said, diversification is the key to financial success. And I think uh, that kind of diversification with friend group, too, is, is yeah, important. Yeah. Flexibility is uh, the key to success. Exactly. Let's, let's take a little break, and we'll be right back with Dr. Christine Marshallock. Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, exclusively presented by Independence Blue Cross. If you have a question for the medical mailbag, just send a note to doctor at yourradiodoctor.net. And we're back on Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Christine Marshallock to talk about sports medicine. Christine, let's talk about the PPPE, not PPEs as in COVID protection, but the pre-participation physical evaluation or the preseason physical. Let's talk about that and the goals that you're trying to achieve when you ask young people to come in for that exam. Yeah, absolutely. I know PPE has taken on a whole new meaning in the past year and a half, hasn't it? Um, so the, the sports physical, as a lot of people know it as, um, is, is really our way to promote the maximum, you know, maximum safe participation in sports. So we're really looking for things that um, that we can improve upon to help with student athletes in their participation in sports and in their health, and making sure that nothing is going to harm them. So one of the big things that we want to make sure that athlete is not at risk for is sudden cardiac arrest on the field or on the court. 
Um, unfortunately, we hear one of these, you know, it seems like almost every year these days where unfortunately a basketball player dies on the court or has a cardiac arrest on the court. Um, and so we use this pre-participation evaluation to screen for, to use, you know, evidence-based screeners to screen for family history, any symptoms, um, any prior medical conditions that might put the student athlete at a higher risk of sudden cardiac arrest, and therefore make any recommendations for further evaluation. Again, our goal is always that we want people participating in sports. That's why we do this job. We just want to make sure that people are safe doing it. Um, and so if anything comes up on um, the sports physical with the questions that we ask um, or our physical examination, we may have the athlete get us an EKG um, or perhaps even see a cardiologist. We have sports cardiologists um, at Jefferson that we work with um, to have further evaluation for anything that might come up on screeners. So that's, you know, that's one of the big things that we look for in PPEs because obviously it's something that we don't want to miss. Um, other things that we look at too, you know, anything that really could um, affect the student athlete's participation. So uh, prior musculoskeletal injuries, did they have appropriate rehab? Thinking about concussion history and do, need, do we need to worry about athletes who are at risk for concussion? Um, and then we do, um, you know, go back over any, any other medical history because sometimes medical history can come into play with athletics. For example, if you have exercise-induced asthma that's not well-controlled, you're not going to perform as well as you could on the field. Um, and even, you know, if you were born with one kidney, we probably want to know that before you go tackle football and, you know, potentially be at risk for kidney damage. So um, it's really an opportunity to go through um, – uh, medical history and talk with the athlete to make sure that we're promoting as safe um, participation in athletics as we can. Mm -hmm. And I guess not too many high school seniors go on to professional sports. And that's what we have to remind people. Number one, fun, teamwork, leadership, all those life skills. But in the meantime, have you ever had chest pain? Do you ever hear feel palpitations? Have you ever fainted? You need to know that or your coaches need to know that. Because the other issue is family history. Do any of your, do either of your parents, any brothers or sisters, have a history of fainting? Because we look for uh, heart disease, like an enlarged heart cardiomyopathy, in our terms, or an abnormal EKG that would show that your rhythm is off, can lead to irregular heartbeats. You can pass out, or as you say, have cardiac arrest. Um, and I guess too, with uh, your young girls and young women athletes, you check for regular periods because exercise-induced. Uh, amenorrhea or loss of period can uh, be an important thing to follow as well. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's, you know, another part of the questionnaire that we go over um, is asking for things like how often are you getting your period? And is it, is it, you know, have you had 12 periods in the past year? Um, because there's this misconception that's very, very common that it's, it's normal for athletes to not get their period during an athletic season. Um, but I, you know, I talk to young girls and, and my female athletes about this all the time that our, you know, our menstrual period is a marker of our energy balance in our body. And so when your body doesn't have enough fuel, it shuts down all the non-essentials. And one of the first things to go is our period. And so it's really a sign that we're just not getting enough fuel in for all the energy that you're expending. And the reason we care about this is because it's a risk factor for things like stress fractures. And sometimes it's actually been tied to higher rates of injury overall. And so really, again, to maximize athletic participation, we don't want you coming out halfway through your cross-country season because you have a 
stress fracture. We really want you to be in for as long as you can and, and to do as well in your, in your, and perform as well as you can. And so I did sometimes identifying those things and just trying to correct that misconception can help a lot with people. Mm -hmm. And as you said before, we had a nice chat the other day, you're actually doing a public health service by not just preparing a, uh, a young person to play safely in sports and teaching them prevention measures, you're finding things that maybe wouldn't have been found otherwise, like uh, high blood pressure. And the, the, the kids who are overweight or what you categorize as obese, you might be able to say, guess what? We're going to lift some of the restrictions. It's kind of counterproductive to say you're too heavy to play a certain sport because you, you, know, you couldn't tolerate the heat. Let's see how we can enable you to participate safely, right? Because then it's overall better for your health and maybe it'll help um, your health in general, yes? Absolutely, yeah. You know, um, the the mandatory things in schools are you have to show your vaccines and then if you want to play sports, you have to get a pre-participation sports evaluation. So, um, you know, this is an opportunity to, to see a student who might otherwise not be seeing their primary care doctor regularly um, and to look for things like blood pressure, high blood pressure, um, their weight, looking to see if there is obesity. You know, I think it's like 20% of, of children and adolescents are obese these days. And so providing an opportunity to counsel about that. Um, but as you mentioned, the, you know, the first thing I'm going to tell somebody if I see that they have high blood pressure or see that their weight might be a little bit high is let's get out there and exercise. And so, you know, just being able to talk to athletes, student athletes about that and, and promote physical activity activity is a real great opportunity. One of the um, partner organizations at Jefferson is called the Athlete Health Organization, which is a nonprofit that one of my colleagues runs. And um, it, it provides um, pre-participation evaluations for student athletes all over Philadelphia and especially the underserved communities who might not have as much access to health care. Um, and so sometimes it's the only medical evaluation this student will have in a year. And so being able to pick up on some of those primary care issues and counsel um, kids about it is, can be really influential. It's beautiful. I know the other thing we always ask all of our patients um, especially since the last visit, how about allergies? Are you allergic to any medicines? Are you allergic to any foods? So that if you're on the field and that's the coach who's there or, you know, uh, the trainers, we need to know if all of a sudden you start to wheeze or get hives, that's important as well. Are you taking any medicines? Are you taking any supplements that we need to know about? And I guess, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, it's just that absolutely. Yeah. Having all those yeah. things nearby. Do you need your inhaler if you're if you have asthma, is there an EpiPen in the training kit? It's exactly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm sure that, uh, I hope that most schools are equipped with AEDs or defibrillators. Mm -hmm. We're gonna talk about that a little bit later as well. Christine, how about, um, I guess it's hard. The cool thing about being a family medicine doctor, the beautiful thing is you have continuity. You follow people for years and years and, and they come to trust you and you can say, listen, mom or dad, your son is a great pitcher but his elbow needs to rest or his shoulder. How do you gently tell people that their son or daughter is has an overuse injury that needs a switcheroo or hey, let's let's try a different sport to give your that part of your body a rest. Maybe this fall try cross country keeps you fit. How do you handle that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny that you bring up uh, baseball pitchers and elbows because that is one of the classic examples that we're running into of overuse injuries and in, in young kids. Um, and you know, as, as 
sports specialization, as we call it, has become um, more prevalent, which is, you know, giving up other sports to participate more in one dedicated sport and almost at a year round level, um, we're seeing more overuse injuries in younger kids. And so I encourage athletes to participate in a variety of sports um, because it's, it's good to keep all the body balanced and to use different parts of your body. When talking to athletes, again, my, my conversation with them is always, I want you to be able to play in this. This is my goal for you. I want to do it. I want to help you stay in this. And, you know, example, if it's a, it's a little league pitcher, I want you to be able to pitch for as long as you want and go and play in college if that's what you want. And so right now we may need to take a few weeks of, of relative rest. That doesn't mean not playing baseball at all. It just means resting your elbow and changing what you're doing a little bit to allow you to heal so that, you know, you'll have a great season next year and get recruited to go to college. That's my goal for you too. Um, I just want to provide you with some tweaks to what you're doing right now so that we can get you back out there. Mm-hmm. Practice playing checkers for a couple weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a little break and we'll be right back with more on sports medicine. Today's edition of Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross, can be enjoyed anytime, anywhere, at your convenience. Just download the Odyssey app and search Your Radio Doctor. It's health education on demand. Welcome back to Your Radio Doctor. I'm here with Dr. Christine Marshallot. Christine, we're talking about preseason physicals. I often wonder, my husband's an orthopedic surgeon, for years did preseason physicals, loves to do that, has been very involved in the Special Olympics. And I think about um, boys and girls that have Down syndrome and probably a good percentage, you know better than I, maybe up to 20% of them have cervical instability or the bones in their neck. I guess it's atlas axis, C1, C2 can be unstable. Is that something we want to see those boys and girls participate in sports too and and be active? Is that something you do a screening x-ray to try to detect? Yeah, so it it depends on the athlete actually. Um, And actually one of my colleagues at the Navy Yard where I do my family medicine um, time, her name is Mary Stevens. Dr. Mary Stevens um, runs a whole clinic um, dedicated to um, young adults transitioning out of their pediatric care who have complex medical conditions. And she's been really active in the Special Olympics world and kind of writing the book on pre-participation exams for the Special Olympics athlete. Um, And so in in Down syndrome, as you mentioned, that there is this um, axial instability. Um, And we used to do screening x-rays on everybody, and we found out that that wasn't actually very helpful. Um, And so now what we do is, you know, there there is this increased incidence. And so we look for history and physical exam findings that might um, inc- um, might clue us in that there's something going on there. So things like difficulty with walking or easily fatigued with walking or running, changes in gait, and then doing a full neuromuscular exam to see if there's any deficits on exam. And if anything comes up, then they will get x-rays, but they're not needed universally anymore. Mm-hmm. We had the good fortune to uh, devote an entire show to Dr. Mary Stevens. It was fantastic. So yeah, yeah, so for our listeners, um, as as you just said, Christine, Mary's uh, focus is to help find care as uh, children with Down syndrome 
transition to teen and adulthood. And uh, people can listen to that show on our website, yourradiodoctor.com. So we like to go through fact or fiction questions because uh, things get repeated by parents or students, and it's good to clarify weight training in young athletes, especially middle school age, can that stunt their growth? So weight training in, in um, kids is actually really encouraged. Um, so the by weight training, we mean any strength training, right? This is done even just with body weight, doing push-ups and sit-ups and squats. Those types of things are all great. They help build bone density. They help build muscle. They help keep um, body strong and well-balanced. Um, we used to worry that... Um, Weight training would, was associated with an increased risk of injury, especially things like growth plate injury, but we found that that was actually due to things like improper lifting technique or doing really inappropriate weight lifting, um, so really, really heavy weights. So basically, we just need to be smart about it. Um, children, basically, so they should be able to follow directions um, in order to start participating in any sort of strength training, so maybe like seven to eight years old. Um, and they just need to be guided through it to sh be shown proper lifting technique, to be taught that we need to start at a low weight and very gradually increase our weight so that we don't cause injuries. Um, but generally, strength training is encouraged and is part of the recommendation for physical activity for children and adolescents. So if uh, a boy or girl want to start uh, with any specific training, maybe they should go to the Y or maybe even their coach and say, can you give me some parameters? Can you tell me what's within safety range so I don't overdo it and hurt myself or hurt ligaments or tendons or dislocate, heaven forbid? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think speaking with their coach, their gym teacher, right? There are physical education teachers whose job it is to teach us how to be physically active. It's a great resource for students. Um, at high schools often have athletic trainers who can be really helpful in helping go through rehabilitation or even just strengthening programs too. So I think utilizing sources, resources within their schools is a great idea. Which reminds me, when you have student athletes, parents have to pay attention, students themselves have to pay attention. If you have an ache or a pain, don't listen to your buddies and, and occasionally adults that say, play through the pain, suck it up or whatever, you know, the tough guy or tough gal should do. No, because you could have something that's pretty easily addressed and by ignoring it or playing over it and over it, you're making the problem just expand and get worse, right? Yeah, absolutely. We'd always love to see you sooner, right? If, if it's not a huge injury and we say you can play through it, terrific, right. we're done. But it's always great to get a, you know, get a medical opinion because we can often help treat things much quicker and easier at, a young, at an earlier stage. And sometimes a broken bone, if it's aligned, you do an x-ray and it looks normal. And you repeat the x-ray like a rib. A broken rib might not show up today when you have been hit by a football helmet or whatever, your field hockey stick. But a week later, we see the calcium come by and come come back, and it, there's a little white line there. So, um, just pay attention and, and don't be shy or, or think that you're wimpy if you admit you're having pain. Um, creatine. I know young athletes think if they take creatine, they're going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Tell me about that a little bit. Yeah. So, there, creatine is a it's a substance found in muscle tissue that helps create energy. Um, and so there are people who take creatine as a supplement um, to help build muscle or improve athletic performance. 
Um, there were some old case studies that suggested that creatine supplementation could lead to kidney damage, but that was really in a population that already had some chronic kidney disease. Um, so it may be safe in healthy individuals, but in kids especially, you really don't need to be taking these. Eating a really well-balanced, healthy diet, getting your healthy lean meats and proteins with chicken and fish or beans if you're vegetarian um, is really all you need to fuel your body. Um, and so I think folk, I'm always a big fan of, of using food as our fuel um, and getting all of the nutrients that we need to build muscle through our normal food intake. And I guess there's a certain way and time, uh, a way to time your eating as well. Maybe you should have uh, an idea, I guess, with coaches or I don't know if students would be able to talk to you about this, when they should eat a little protein before or after workout or eat, you know, complex carbs before you do a run. Do students come to you that for kind of information? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, as you mentioned, kind of having some um, fuel before you're exercising is important. And usually we encourage this to be at least 30 to 60 minutes before activity so that the food has kind of passed through your stomach already and you're not getting all of that crampy sensation. Um, it's funny that you mentioned the protein thing. They've actually done some research studies looking at whether eating um, the same amount of protein before or directly after activity or just throughout the day makes a difference in terms of muscle bulk. Um, and it actually doesn't matter. As long as you're getting your protein intake, you can eat it whenever. So I know one of my classmates in medical school always used to go home from the gym and whip down a, or woof down a can of tuna. And it really doesn't matter. You can eat that tuna for lunch instead of first thing in the morning or something. But um, just making sure that you're getting an adequate amount of protein in is, um, is sufficient. I have a son-in-law who played NFL for about a year. And it was like he had a feed bag. He's six, close to six, seven, and he's, you know, light to medium weight, and he had to bulk up to X, Y, Z. And I said, I'm going to monogram that bag that you carry around with chicken in it. Or, and he would just, yeah. every three hours, eat, and it was just, uh, I learned a lot from listening to him. So, yeah. so your advice to student athletes is um, admit when you have pain, eat healthy diets, especially, you know, I always used to uh, watch... Uh, all three of my children, I have two boys and a girl, were rowers. And um, when my older son started in high school, they eliminated middle weight. So it was heavyweight and lightweight. And the lightweight is uh, a little tough to keep. You know, you're a growing high school boy, and at first you think, mm -hmm. oh, 130 pounds, I could do that. And as you gain in muscle, you don't have any, you know, don't subject yourself to rowing an extra you know, 10,000 meters a day to keep your weight down. It's just not healthy. Know when it's time to switch gears and, as we say, play checkers or some other sport. Yeah, and, and just as, as we talked about back when we were talking about the female athletes, um, you know, food is fuel and it's your energy to do, to run your race and to play soccer and to, you know, do everything that you're doing. And so I think framing it as food being fuel, right? You wouldn't ask somebody to drive a car race on an empty tank. And so we, we want to make sure that in order for you to play the best you can, that you're, that you have the energy to do that. Yeah, exactly. And f finally, if, if patients wanted to come to see you for sports medicine advice, they would call 1-800-JEFF-NOW. Absolutely. For an appointment in Center City. 
Yep. Yep. I see all my sports medicine patients in Center City. Um, and so people are welcome to call 1-800-JEFF-NOW, as you mentioned. Um, Beautiful. You can always get somebody in. And it's so important to hear us say, make sure that your child has a yearly physical. I have seen several young women athletes who come in with iron deficiency anemia. Anemia means low blood count, and it can be for many different reasons. But when somebody's low in iron and they don't have their periods, we have to look for GI sources like, are they taking Advil? Do they have an ulcer? Do they have ulcer colitis? And I will do testing and find upper and lower exams normal, but they have micro bleeds in their small intestine from too much running. So pay attention. Athletics are wonderful for all the reasons we said, but nothing to excess. Know thyself and nothing to excess, would you say? Everything in moderation, indeed. Beautiful. Christine Marshallock, thank you so much for joining us today. Enjoy your evening and 1-800-JEFF-NOW gets you an appointment with Dr. Marshallock for sports medicine. Thanks very much for having me, Marianne. Our pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented in part by Recovery Centers of America. When needed, call RCA 1-888-RECOVERY. Welcome back to your radio doctor. I'm your host, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. My friends, every week in our final segment, we highlight your real champion and share a story of someone who faces adversity with grace or does great service in the community. This week, I'd like you to hear the story directly from your real champions, Darren and Phyllis Sudman. These loving parents had the world on a string, living the lyrics of the song, a boy for you, a girl for me. Their children included two-year-old Sally, and two-month-old Simon. One day, Phyllis put Simon in for a nap, but then experienced the unthinkable. He never woke up. At first, the explanation was SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome, but the doctors wanted to look for a cardiac cause that that might be genetic because they were concerned about Simon's sister, Sally. Testing revealed that mom, Phyllis, has the long QT syndrome, a condition that causes an abnormal heart rhythm and can lead to fast, irregular heartbeats. The cause could be genetic, sometimes a medication or other conditions. Many people never have symptoms, but fainting is the most common sign. It can happen when you're excited or startled, like by an alarm clock. Some people have seizures, and it may start with dizziness, palpitations, or blurry vision. Phyllis and Darren, thank you for sharing your story with us. Your little Simon would be 17 years old this October 21st. Phyllis, bring us back, if you would, to January 24th, 2005. First, you had to process what happened, but then you took your grief and turned it into a truly positive effort to help other children. Tell us about that, if you would. Uh, As you can imagine, it's a parent's worst nightmare. Um, You know, Simon didn't wake up from his nap and... Like you said, I was um, both, thanks to our coroner and pediatrician, we both had our hearts checked and I was diagnosed with long QT syndrome. And, you know, from that point on, we knew we didn't want another family to go through what we've been through. And so we quickly started Simon's Heart. And uh, at the time it, it actually was called Simon's Fun. Now it's called Simon's Heart. And all about raising awareness about sudden cardiac arrest in kids and death and uh and 
you know, it started out where we were um, checking kids' hearts, and to date we've checked over 18,000 kids. It's beautiful. We just had Dr. Christine Marshallock, who's a sports medicine primary care doc, who looks at more than sprains and strains and dislocations. She looks for signs that would lead to cardiac arrest as such. But you're looking more than just pre-season physicals. You're looking at children in general. And you started with the World Cafe Live, had a, a children's uh, concert, and you said, hey, let's test it here. And then that led to other community centers and schools. Tell us about that and sure. where you are now. And uh, we, we, we started at World Cafe Live, and then from there we really worked with different school districts, primarily in the Philadelphia area, uh, in getting, you know, really focusing on student athletes and getting um, kids' hearts checked, um, you know, working with the school districts where, as part of our process, you know, once a kid is signed up, we check their height, weight, blood pressure. We then do an EKG on site. Uh, and then if needed, we can do a echocardiogram as well. It's incredible. And Darren, you were the executive director of the foundation for nine years. Tell us how it grew and tell us some of the areas that you've been able to uh, provide help. Sure. Thanks for having us on, by the way. Of course. We, uh, like Phyllis said, we started doing free heart screenings and uh, grew those in number every year. Uh, we then got involved with legislation, and in 2012, we were able to get a law passed in Pennsylvania called the Sudden Cardiac Arrest Prevention Act that we then used as a template to go on and get passed in 15 other states currently. Uh, and once that happened, uh, the board asked me to become executive director. They kind of felt like if we could do a few heart screenings and get some legislation passed when it was just a part-time job for Phyllis and me, it could really grow if we were focusing on this full-time. So once that happened, we expanded screenings. We launched a crowdfunding website called Got AED that helps people raise money to get AEDs in places where kids learn and play. Uh, we created a digital registry so that uh, data from our heart screenings and other heart screenings can be de-identified and used by researchers free of charge. Uh, we created an activation uh, so that we go out to music festivals and concerts and engage students and their families in hands-only CPR using kickballs and a playlist. So it's no longer uh, a creepy exercise with CPR dummies on a fold-up table. Uh, it's a lot of fun in a blow-up inflatable with balls and music. So we're really trying to, to bring fun and creativity to a very morbid subject. It's so incredible. And I there's no way I could have explained all that as well as you did. And you did it so succinctly. And I understand that through your work, over a million coaches have been educated by your training videos. That in itself is monumental. And I think of all the students you've helped and parents, and I know that you worked with the Pennsylvania State Rep, Mike Vareb, isn't he from Montgomery County, that helped you get that legislation passed? Yeah, Mike uh, represented a district uh, in East Norton. Beautiful. He became our champion and helped us get that passed. And as I learned about Mike, he's a first responder himself. Yes, isn't he a firefighter and a police officer? Mike is, a, yeah, Mike is actually a, a firefighter and a, or no, I'm sorry, a police officer and a detective. And now he, uh, he works with Attorney General uh, Josh Shapiro. 
Beautiful. So go Pennsylvania, first uh, state to have this uh, Prevention Act, now a law. I want to thank you both so much. Your work has had a profound impact on so many people, uh, and you continue to save lives. What's the final message you want to share with us, Phyllis and Darren? Well, I think we just want parents to know that uh, seemingly healthy children uh, are just that, seemingly healthy. So pay attention to your kids. Fainting during or right after exercise is a giant red flag. If anyone in your family has died suddenly or unexpectedly before the age of 50, giant red flag. Uh, and, uh, and if your heart's racing, and it shouldn't be because you're sitting on the couch or in the car, get that checked out too. Yes. Dizziness, any things we talked about uh, right before you came on, signs and symptoms of abnormal heart rhythms or low blood pressure, please take your child to get checked. Phyllis and Darren Sudman, they're investing their time and energy into prevention of cardiac arrest in other children because their love for each other and their two children was so great that they want to keep Simon's memory alive and spare other parents from the heartbreak they had to bear. We salute you, Phyllis and Darren Sudman. You're real champions. Thank Thank you you so much. Phyllis and Darren Sudman, their foundation is Simon's Heart. Investing time and energy into preventing cardiac arrest in other children because their love for each other and their two children is so great, they want to keep Simon's memory alive and because they believe no parent should lose a child to a detectable and treatable condition. They work to pass the Sudden Cardiac Arrest Prevention Act, which requires coaches, parents, and students to learn about risks and signs of cardiac arrest. Athletes with symptoms must be removed from play and cannot return until cleared by a licensed medical professional. We salute you, Phyllis and Darren Sudman. You're real champions. Visit their website, simonsheart.org. That's Simons without an apostrophe, simonsheart.org. Thanks for listening. Hear the entire show again on yourradiodoctor.com. A special thank you to our exclusive sponsor, Independence Blue Cross, and our partnerships with Recovery Centers of America and Rothman Orthopedics, all making it possible to deliver this important information each week. Tune in next week to hear about obesity from a leading international expert, Dr. Lee Kaplan from Harvard. Ladies, each week we invite you to come to Jefferson for the Pink Plus program. Get two or three cancer screenings in one visit mammogram, gynecology exam, and colon cancer screening discussion. Call 215-503-1631. That's Pink Plus. And now, keep it here for one of the last Sundays with Frank Sinatra can sing, The Summer Wind. This is Dr. Marianne Ritchie, your radio doctor, wishing you a wonderful week and reminding you that your health is your wealth. Thanks for listening to your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded.